Welcome to the Organizing Ideas Podcast. I'm Allison. And I'm Karen, and we are two new librarians and archivists and your hosts for this podcast. Together, we're taking a closer look at the relationships between organizing information and community organizing, how libraries and archives are never neutral, and what we mean when we say that knowledge is power. We are recording on the unceded and ancestral territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. In this episode, we're also recording remotely, and we'll be doing a little bit of a recap on 2020, since a lot of things have changed uh, due to you-know-what, but for listeners from the future, things have been shutting down in response to COVID-19. Please tell us if we'll make it through. It's a weird time. Yeah. So we, we um so that listeners know we did collect some uh, voice clips from listeners talking about people's responses or like feelings, thoughts um, related to COVID nineteen, and we're kind of sitting on those at the moment. Thank you for sharing them. They're pretty emotional, some of them, and we're trying to figure out how to record something about COVID nineteen while we're still in the midst of it and going through lots of changes still it's um yeah it's a challenge so we do hope to come to that topic at some point we're just not quite there yet so we hope you understand Mm -hmm. yeah it's been about like a month but it feels really hard to absorb like time Mm -hmm. just feels very weird I guess like some like BCLA has been canceled, but it would have passed last week. It's the end of April right now. So yeah, all of the conferences are pretty much canceled. I think some of them are moving online, but it also, I think most of them have like given options for like deferring for next year, which I, I think I've chosen those options because I just don't have the mental capacity to do anything right now. We had these beautiful episodes recorded before all of this happened. We had two of them sitting there that we had done. Well, Karen had also done one with with folks who um, were organizing a BCLA panel together, but we had two that we had done as a team with Sam Popovich, um, all about democracy, intellectual freedom, all the themes of the BC Library Association Conference this year. And we put out that episode so you can find it. It's really, really interesting. Um, my partner, who is very supportive of the podcast but had not yet listened to an episode, <laughs> finally came because he loves um, theory and Marxist theory and stuff like that. So he listened to it and he said he really loved it. And I've got some other good feedback from people about that one. And then we also have one coming out. Probably it'll be out by the time you're listening to this, which is... Um, with Ariel Caldwell, who's a teen librarian at Vancouver Public Library. And I've been emailing with her a little bit recently, and and her position, I think, has changed drastically, as have many people's due to COVID. But the conversation we had with her was all about what is teen librarianship? What does it mean to do that in a community-led way? Um, Relationship building, um, juggling, like, the bureaucratic tasks of your job with the more relationship-focused ones. And um, it's a it's a really it was a great conversation. So yeah, it feels so long ago. I remember we walked to the Sky Train together, and I think that was right when we were, we were kind of talking about uh, COVID and shutdowns. And then I think things shut down pretty quickly after that day. But it feels so long ago. It feels like forever ago, and it's 
we recorded that on March 12th. And I know this oh. because yesterday I read this article that was in Wired and it was kind of like the day that everything changed an oral history of blah, blah, blah. And I clicked on it because I'd been talking with, well, friend of the pod, <laughs> Andrea Lukic, who did our, who designed our logo about how we record this moment as we live through it and, you know, living through something that you really do know and feel is going to be, a, you know, a, a turning point in history in some ways. And uh, so I saw this headline and I thought, oh, that's kind of a little, like, you know, related to what we we're talking about. So I wonder how they've, you know, done that. And it has all these quotes from different people talking about March 11th, which the article posits is like the day when the big shift happened. And a lot of these people, it's very American and a lot of stuff about sports. So I was like, I don't understand any of this <laughs> references. But it was really interesting because apparently on the 11th was like, oh, I don't misremember things, but it was when they closed down some sports games. Oh, okay. Sports I guess ball, something you know, happened to sports like something important. <laughs> I think Tom, uh, oh, it was the day that Harvey Weinstein got the decision on his trial. But they were saying, like, that wasn't even the biggest news of the day when it ha- has been like this, That even though that story has been building for such a long time. Yeah. And that was the day, I think, that Tom Hanks and his wife, Rita Wilson, got diagnosed or, or told the public that they had been diagnosed and were self-isolating in Australia. And Trump issued the travel ban against Europe. Like, a lot of stuff happened that day. I yeah. Like, yeah, dang. And so I looked at my calendar. I was like, what was I doing on March 11th? Like, you know, do I remember that? And it's funny because on that day, I had gone snowshoeing with a friend. And I remember us going and being like, oh, we need, we're going to hang out. And like, this is a good activity to do because even if uh, whatever. Oh, the other thing on March 11th, I think that's the day maybe it got announced as a pandemic. Maybe that's why they chose that day. You know, oh. who can tell? So busy. What a busy day. We can link the article and other people can read it and retain information, which is clearly what I can't do. Anyways, so on the 11th, I had gone snowshoeing, and then on the 12th, we had recorded with Ariel, and yeah, it was exactly that. We were all kind of in this, like, what's gonna happen? Are we gonna close? And I feel like over that weekend, libraries in the Lower Mainland started closing, because Burnaby, where I work, was one of the last places to close, and I remember other libraries were closing, and, and you know, a lot of us were at work being like, okay, are we? When are we? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of decisions happened in those weeks. Like UBC closed a few days after that. And then so did West Vancouver. Yeah. West Van, you guys were one of the first to close, I think. Which was good, but also it happened so quickly. And maybe as like a casual staff, like I, it like I just kind of received information and that was it. And like decisions were made and then, yeah. So, and I think maybe that's one of the reasons why like it's hard to talk about things because it's just so many things I don't know and I'm still processing things that where I'm missing information yeah and may never get it yeah <laughs> it's hard yeah especially for a person who's like decided to spend their life pursuing this <laughs> pursuing information <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a weird transitional time and like I knew that so I just finished all my assignments for my degree. So I'm done now. Woo! Okay. <laughs> and I remember when we realized, like, oh, that was our last physical in-person class. It felt very anticlimactic. It felt very, like, I felt very empty. But then, like, classes kept going. We kept, like, doing classes as if there was no pandemic. Well, not really, but it kind of felt like we were trying to. And everything felt very meaningless. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I just don't really have a sense of time anymore. Like, I've been really good with putting stuff in my calendar so I can, like, look back, but I just don't remember. <laughs> That's a blur. Yeah. But congratulations on being done. It must be a super weird time to graduate for a lot of reasons. Like, you're saying the, like, very anticlimactic finish. What a job market to be confronted with. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. It just was not what I expected. I expected a lot of anxiety anyway. And then there was just like, no, like there's no certainty now. So. I was listening to our, um, looking forward to 2020 episode and things are very different now, even despite, like, even without COVID, we sort of changed some things. So one of the things we started doing differently in, like, February was uh, releasing episodes every other week or whenever. Yep, once a week was too much. <laughs> I'm really impressed that we managed that. Managed some of the that. podcasts I listen to, now that, like, you know, there's stay-at-home orders in places where these, you know, uh, podcasters live or whatever are like oh we have tons of time we're like gonna release a ton of episodes and I had the opposite reaction when all this started happening my brain was like uh sorry I'm overwhelmed we we're, we're gonna do some eating sleeping <laughs> and the bare yeah. minimum of things required and so yeah we had a bit of a gap there but even before that yeah it was too much once a week so mm-hmm. I wonder if though because some podcasts like they are the ones really because we're interviewing people. So I think that's different than like us sitting in our rooms and talking into a mic. Yeah, I think there I think that makes it easier when it's just the hosts. Uh I think also you know, uh some of the podcasts that I listen to my impression is that these people have lots of like if I like some of the bigger podcasts I listen to these is their job, right? Like they make money right. from it. They have a Patreon or whatever, which isn't really what we're doing here. And so, yeah, if podcasting is is your job, and and the conditions of this are such that it makes it easier for you to do that, then that's sweet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Other updates since then: we have watched the Steven Universe movie together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of episodes of Steven Universe, which mm-hmm. I think we would heartily recommend to anybody looking for a little bit of uplifting joy. Yeah, it's like a cartoon. Each episode's like ten minutes long. Kind of just about a boy living with, I guess, space aliens that are called the Crystal Gems. And it's, like, really goofy and takes forever for the plot to really start. But it's, like, a nice, like, escapism kind of show. Totally. It's very funny. It has great music. The The Crystal Gems are, like, some sweet non-binary representation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Fun show. Yeah, what about individually for each of us? We thought we would kind of talk about the things we've been doing with our time. I've been re-watching Avatar The Last Airbender, I think maybe for the third time. I've kind of like skipped through some episodes and I got really, like, it. obviously very happy because it's like uh, a show I really love. But then when it ends, I get really sad and then I started the sequel series uh, the Legend of Korra, and then I got really angry and also very sad because it's just not done as well. There's so much lost potential. And because, have you watched Avatar? 
I have not. It's like on my list of, of things. Basically, like the premise is like it's in this Asian inspired world where everyone like when people can bend the elements, so it's like fire, earth, water and air, but only the avatar can master all four <laughs> elements. And the avatar is like a reincarnation. Okay, so um, we have a chosen one. Yeah, but that also means though with the sequel series, you have a new avatar. That means the previous one has died. Brutal. <laughs> and like that just hurts. And so you have like the previous, like the original series, like some of them are still alive and then you have their grandchildren. And so it's nice in a way, but it also just makes me so sad. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know if I'll, I finished watching the first series of rewatching the first series of Korra and I don't know if I'll keep going just because it's just not done very well. The story I don't think is very good and the dialogue is just really frustrating. Uh, so I think what I should have done was rewatch Korra and then rewatch the original. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But if I was a first time watcher, it sounds like the the one to start with is Avatar. Yeah, and just don't bother with Korra. Oh, and don't even bother. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe watch it knowing that it's just not as good if you wanted more Avatar content. But I think there are also comic books, which I haven't read. Yeah, have you been watching anything recently? Mostly, I've also been watching what I would consider for me like comfort shows. I have I'm I'm doing a slow rewatch of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the Buffering the Vampire Slayer podcast, which is one of the podcasts that they've been putting out lots of stuff recently, and I watch it online with a friend, um, which is nice. And then I also like similar actually to this Avatar Korra thing. Angel, which is like the spinoff show from Buffy, where her mm-hmm. ex like goes and becomes a vampire detective in LA. I had wa- I've watched like the first season and a half of it before, but I've never finished it. And I finally like my, my partner finally agreed to watch it with me because I like <laughs> it's more fun for me to watch stuff with other people. So we started watching that, and it's fun because there's some of the same characters and some of the same plot things and whatever, which is nice, but it's not as good. So. So I've been watching those. And then my roommate and I have started watching something that's a rewatch for her, but it's the first time I'm ever watching Veronica Mars, which is kind oh. of a, a show from the same sort of era. It's a bit, it's darker. Like I, I was kind of surprised because I've heard people say, oh, it's like kind of similar in some ways, but it's, I would say it's darker. And oh, I didn't know it was dark. Yeah. I thought it was going to be light and funny. Also, the other reason that I was kind of excited to watch it is because I watched all of The Good Place earlier this year, which is another very, very good show. Very funny, very weird. And Kristen Bell, who's the lead in that, is also the lead in Veronica Mars. So, um, oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard people say things about The Good Place, so maybe I'll add it to my list. Yeah, it's, you know, I watched the first couple episodes, I was like, this is very hokey, like funny and, and quite good, but very hokey. And it's it's very self-aware of that. And it, as it goes on, what I really like about that show is that it has a lot of great plot twists. The characters grow and change a lot, and um, yeah, and it's funny. So I think it okay. would be good at this moment. I think funny and lighthearted is what I need. <laughs> yeah, like there's deeper stuff there. Like if you if you want to scratch the surface and you know take in the like, there's a lot of philosophy in that show. But um, you can also just enjoy the froyo puns and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How about reading? Now do you have time to read now that you're graduated? 
Um, I started the year with Little Blue Encyclopedia for Vivian by Hazel Jane Plant. Where did you hear about that book? Hmm. So in our episode where we recapped our 2019 reads, Allison (laughs) uh, mentioned this book. And so it was the first thing that I read in the year and I really loved it. Like I missed the characters that the main character was missing. Yeah. I don't know if it would be a good read or not at this moment because it definitely would capture the like loneliness and loss and grief kind of feelings that I think a lot of us are going through. But it's also very funny. So it has like that. There's like an uplift to it. It's not just like a sad grief book. Nothing wrong with sad grief books. (laughs) Yeah, but I was looking. I mean, I, I know this about myself, but I tend to read very emotionally devastating books and I kind of want to stop that a little bit but I think then if you're a person who needs to feel the bad feelings maybe that is a book to channel that but also if you're not looking to feel grief maybe don't read that yet (laughs) that's totally that's I think that's a good assessment yeah Mm -hmm. yeah how about you what are some things you've been reading I was looking through stuff I've read recently, and I've read a lot of random stuff, but the things that I have liked that I've read recently have mostly been sci-fi stuff. I might rattle through a few in a row because they're kind of interrelated. Okay, so I kind of started down this path because I had been reading a lot. Like, I, I read a lot of stuff that I that is fine, but that I don't necessarily love for work because I, like, want to kind of know what's out right now. And... Um, I was in a bit of a rut, like I hadn't read something I really liked for a while. And I was like, okay, I'm going to read some sci-fi. I'm going to read some genre stuff. But I was also preparing for this mystery night at work where we talk about mystery novels. Whoa. And so I was like, so I was kind of like, oh, maybe I can find something that's kind of both. And then so then I started Googling about sci-fi mysteries. And there's this whole little subgenre, And it's very lovely. So Um, I read a couple that I would recommend that if people want some really like fun, different kind of reads. So one is called, there's like a series, there's only two out right now. I don't know if more are coming. The first one's called Bannerless. It's by Carrie Vaughn. I think it was kind of like a new genre for Carrie to be writing in. And so there's parts of it where I was like, okay, this could like probably have been tightened up a little bit, but the story is really good. It's, uh, I also read this before COVID and any like post-apocalyptic stuff that I read before I'm like I don't know if people want to read that now but some people are leaning into it so this is a little bit like that although it doesn't really focus on the apocalyptic aspect very much it's it's set along the west coast of the U.S. kind of like California mostly and it's like this interconnected series of villages there is like some mysterious downfally kind of thing in the past that there are oral histories of and it's you know maybe a couple generations ago but not that long ago but in this like new future these interconnected villages, people mostly travel by like foot or solar car or things like that. But they're pretty low tech villages. And a lot of the society is around this idea of like controlling growth because they're really worried about having too big of a population. They see that as one of the things that was like a really big challenge during the downfall. And they also have very limited resources because people are really like relearning how to live on the land. Anyways, the main character is kind of like, uh, I forget what they call them, but they're kind of like investigators, like they kind of look into disputes between people and mysteries such as there are, but it's like not a lot usually happens. But in this one, there is a a murder. And so the investigator is like, dang, this is the first time I've had to investigate a murder. It's not very common here kind of thing. And yeah, it was pretty good. It was like a really intriguing setting. And there's some very beautiful descriptions of like that part of the coast. I enjoyed that. And... Then 
after I'd read that and its sequel, I read another sci-fi mystery series by an author I really love called Joe Walton. And she has a book called Among Others that I think won a Hugo that I read a few years ago and it was quite good. But I'd never read anything else by her. And so she has this series. The first one is called Farthing. It is like an alternate history mystery. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in this alternate history, it's set in uh, the UK. And in this history, Britain during World War II, instead of like fighting and allying with the U.S. and whatever, makes some kind of like peace pact with uh, Germany. And so the U.K. is like nominally democratic, but Europe is like under the fascist rule of Hitler. And so this series is about like it's... And that's kind of the setting and that setting and like the intrigue and politics of some of that and the UK's like slide towards fascism in the UK is like part of the plot over the three books. But also each book has like a discrete mystery and there's like, you know, the detective guy who's investigating the mystery. And there each of the three books is told from two perspectives. One is the detective and in each book, the second perspective is another character and it's different in each of the three books. So the first book is like this um, kind of wealthy upper class woman whose family is very involved in politics and stuff like that in the UK. And she is married to a Jewish man and they are visiting her parents for the weekend for this like fancy dinner with all their like political friends and somebody is murdered. And so the story goes between the detective who's called in to investigate and her perspective and her husband is a suspect because people are like, He's Jewish and has like political motive to kill this person, whatever, because of European politics at the time. And she's like, no, he didn't. And so she kind of like gets involved in like trying to help figure out who did. Yeah. Anyways, very interesting series and really intriguing alternative history thing. And Sean is coming up a lot in this episode, but I I was like, you should read these. I think you'd like these. He, he doesn't usually like sci-fi kinds of things, but he's a big history nerd. He's training to be a history teacher. So he was reading them and he was, then he was explaining to me which parts were like based on real people and real stuff, oh. which was really interesting. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that was like, that's my little like foray into sci-fi mystery uh, genre that I could use more of. So if anybody listening has more suggestions, let me know. The other thing I read by Joe Walton once I finished that series was she has a book called The Informal History of the Hugos, where oh, she basically cool. writes year by year about the Hugo Awards and all the stuff that was nominated and what won, and her opinions on those books, and political changes. in the, the Hugo Awards are really interesting for people who don't know about them. They're like a really big deal sci-fi fantasy award. They are, it's not given by like a committee. It's a vote. And if you're a member of the, whatever it's called, I'm, I'm bad at remembering names, World Sci-Fi Organization thing, you can vote. So oh. if you sign up to go to their convention that year, like the voting rules kind of, are a bit more complicated than that, but basically if, you, if you're going to the convention that year, you get to vote. So it's actually really interesting, the history of them. So I read this book by her, which is, yeah, pretty fascinating. Oh, that's um, cool. And if anybody is, like, you know, looking for older sci-fi and, and kind of curious to, like, read along, or if anybody, like, people sometimes read all the Hugo winners, if you're ever doing that, I would definitely read her book as you do it, because that's quite interesting. Oh, yeah, I feel like book awards and like publishing is definitely its own whole world that I'm not super familiar with. Yeah. 
Anyway, so I just talked a lot. Tell me more about what you've read. <laughs> I read a few essay collections recently, actually. I read A Mind Spread Out on the Ground by Alicia Elliott. We talked to her on one of our episodes. That was before I had read the book. It was on my list for a while, though, and then I finally picked it up. One of the essays, I think it was like Mental Extractions near the end, really, I was just like, this is... This hits really close to home. I was like, this is someone that I know. And it was like a really great way like of explaining um, what's going on. If I wanted to tell someone, like a friend, like, this is what's going on. Read this book. Like this, it kind of perfectly, like it's, it's a bunch of nonfiction essays based on Alicia Elliott's experiences. But a lot of them, I was just like, oh, I relate so much to this. That it was a little bit heartbreaking, but um, I think like they were really well written. Yeah, she's just a very talented writer. Um, and then I also read Minor Feelings and Asian American Reckoning. I think that's the subtitle by Kathy Park Hong. I don't remember how this got into my Goodreads list. Yeah, and I sped through that. That was also very like hit close to home. Yeah, and it's been a bunch of essays. On, it's it's very it's still American, but um, I think it also speaks to Asian Canadian experiences and kind of where, especially I think with COVID nineteen, I think this book is is interesting on where Asian Americans, specifically I think East Asian Americans and Canadians, kind of fit in North America. Yeah, I think I would recommend that to to people kind of wanting to understand our current moment. Another thing, though, that I was thinking of was in our last, um, like, book episode, I mentioned The Tiger Flu by Larissa Lai. And that one I was thinking back on, and it's post-pandemic. Um, so maybe it's, like, too soon for people to read. But it's also set in, like, the Pacific Northwest, and it, yeah, kind of talks of it's like a dystopia of a world after a pandemic so if people are interested in (laughs) i guess imagining what might happen to us afterwards um yeah that one's pretty interesting maybe it'll make more sense in our current moment yeah i think it's an interesting question of like to read the pandemic book or not to read the pandemic book. Like, I, my mom recommended to me a book that she read a few years ago called Year of Wonders by Geraldine Brooks, which is set during the plague in a small village in England in the 1600s. And this village has a plague outbreak and decides to like self-isolate the whole village, more or less, so that it won't spread the plague to other villages nearby. And um, I was like, okay, I'll read that. And actually I found it, like that book has some really dark stuff in it and it was pretty heavy. And uh, let's say that public health understanding in 1665 in England was not really, <laughs> there were times where I was like, Oh God, please just stop. But, um, but on the whole, I did enjoy the book both because it's well-written and interesting, but also, yeah, there was something relatable about some of the stuff happening in it in a weird way. So I'm not wholly opposed to the reading of pandemic or plague books right now. I actually have been thinking about maybe reading Kevin Chong's book, The Plague. Have you oh, read that? No. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if, like, maybe for me, though, because I'm, 
at home. Like everything with me is pretty good actually. Mm -hmm. But there's this still this feeling of like anxiety and panic and uncertainty. And so I kind of really fluctuate between like feeling okay and then feeling really not okay, feeling guilty that I'm feeling not okay because realistically everything for me is, is pretty good. But I think maybe it's because I'm stuck at home and I know that everything feels like it's on fire. But when I look around, it's fine. I wonder, though, if would if it would help then to read <laughs> pandemic books to kind of understand what's going on. It might make things worse. I don't know. I think it depends on the person. Yeah. If, if people are looking for pandemic rec- book recommendations, I've been listening to this podcast called Our Opinions Are Correct which is hosted by Charlie Jean Anders and Annalie Newitz, who are also both fabulous sci-fi authors in their own rights. And they had an episode recently about pandemics in fiction. Mm-hmm. And they had some some good recommendations. I also recently read Charlie Jean Anders' book, The City in the Middle of the Night. I was a little bit hesitant to read it because I read one of her earlier books that got a lot of hype, um, All the Birds in the Sky, and I didn't love it. But I really, really liked The City in the Middle of the Night. Okay, I'll check that out. Another thing I've been reading, I read For Today I Am a Boy by Kim Fu, and that was uh, one of my classes was on LGBTQ materials for children and teens, and we had to write these critical reviews. And so that was one of the books that I chose to write my assignments on. It's about a trans woman in Ontario, so well, in Canada kind of explores what it means to be trans and also as a Chinese Canadian person. So yeah, I really, I mean, again, like, I think I just tend to read heavy stuff and that was pretty emotionally heavy. (laughs) Was your critical review overall positive though? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what I wrote for that. I think one part of the book that stuck out to me that I was focusing on in the book was that um, the character then travels to Montreal and meets like these, um, I think I read another review that called them like academic queers where they have all of this language to describe themselves. Then they talk about like their dietary restrictions. Um, like they're very aware of themselves. And the main character was just kind of like, she was really, to me, I interpreted that as like kind of struggling against like, how she was raised, like her culture, and then also being, I guess, authentic to who she was and and struggling with that because these people had the privilege of knowing themselves and exploring themselves. And that's a very individualistic mindset. I think you can, you can see it that way. And so the main character, she goes by Peter for, for almost the entire book, um, was really shocked at that and had a really negative reaction to that. And And I think because sometimes you read trans stories where it's like, you know, you were this your entire life and then you kind of make that switch and you are authentic to yourself and then it's okay. Yeah. Um, And it's not as simple as that. And so this one, like, there's just a lot of like emotional conflict. And I think it did a good job at at exploring that. Um, And also this one was, was interesting because it isn't really marketed as a YA book. I would say it's probably more... Like, I think as YA sometimes means, like, teenagers, but I would say this is maybe, like, on the older end of that. So, yeah, in that class we did talk about, like, what is categorized as YA and then what's also appealing to YA. Yeah. 
I think I can give you one last one. Okay. I have a couple more in here, but I think I'll finish with this. On the on the theme of back back to like comfort reads and fandoms and whatever, I read a while ago a fanfic that I quite enjoyed, which I would recommend to people. If um if you're a Harry Potter fan but you have like read the books too many times or you've already finished your comforting reread or whatever. <laughs> I, I'm a, I enjoy novel-length fanfics uh, because I really like getting right into them and understanding the different perspective on the world. And I read one. It's called To All the Wizards I've Considered Before. <laughs> the author is called Full of Raxperts, and I found it's on an archive of our own if you're looking for it. But um, it's kind of a mashup. It's like it's basically the story of To All the Boys um, I've Loved Before by Jenny Han, which came out as a movie. Um, earlier yeah. this year, uh, and then I guess the fifth, fourth or fifth Harry Potter book—I can't remember now—and uh, but it's about it's from Hermione's perspective, and she basically like is trying to get over Ron and has written out like this list of like potential people she could get a crush on to like get over him. Oh my god! She, um, I don't. I can't remember if she writes letters to them or if she just like has this list and then somehow it gets out and all these guys know and then different like confrontations, whatever. And so she ends up in a fake relationship with somebody. I don't want to tell you too much. Although if you go into archive of our own, you'll see all the tags on it. So you'll know who it is that she ends up in a fake relationship with, but it's, um, it's not Ron. It's not Harry. <laughs> and it's really great. It's like a good exploration of, exploration of kind of a minor character it's pretty funny i read it as like a way to remind myself of the plot line of that jenny han book before i watched the movie <laughs> and but i think it would be equally enjoyable had you never read that book by jenny but if you haven't like that is a very funny trilogy but yeah it was it was enjoyable it was fun it was pretty goofy and uh very very light for people who aren't wanting to read any of the plague books Mm-hmm. Here's the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Okay. Maybe I'll end with like two more. So uh, I guess with quarantine or people staying at home, there have been a lot of like domestic violence, abuse cases going up. And I did read No Visible Bruises. The subtitle is, I think, What We Don't Know About Domestic Violence Can Kill Us by Rachel Louise Snyder. And that one is very heavy. I sort of had like... Um, I cried a lot, like every few pages, because it just reminded me a lot of things happening that are close to me. Um, so I guess so I would recommend that one. It's really well written. She's a journalist and um, the writing is, I wouldn't say easy to read because like the subject matter is very heavy. It is a good writing style, I think. So after that, I was like, I need to read happier things. And for some reason, The Poppy War um, by R.F. Kuang was on my list. I didn't know anything about it. I did mention it to our friend Jenna, who said, oh, that's a very intense book. And I was like, okay, maybe I won't read it. But it was already on my e-reader from the library. And I didn't listen to Jenna. I read it anyway. And it was so intense. (laughs) It's like it started off. It's not a school story. Like, it starts off and you think it's a school story. It's not. And I didn't know anything about the book besides the blurb, which was kind of hinted at a war story. But then it started as a school story. And then it wasn't. It's not. It's based on on the Sino-Japanese war. At one point, I immediately recognized um, 
the Nanking Massacre. Oh, wow. So, and then I kind of read, like, the Wikipedia page on it, and I was like, oh, yes, it's based on, on, on that and, like, Unit 731. It was really hard to read. I do think that Kwong does a good job at explaining or kind of exploring what war and violence does to people because our main character is set up to be a villain. Like, I, I think people expect to sympathize, but we're not supposed to. And I think that's what the frustrating thing is, is that this is a person who says that she's acting in her, a, in like her, in a rational mind. She's not acting through anyone else. And so we think like, that's horrible. Why would the author write something like that? When I think, I mean, in a way it's kind of realistic even with all the magic in it, but um, I have the second book on hold now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been reading, rereading Howl's Moving Castle just to kind of find my happy place again. So that's been nice. Palette cleansers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should we talk about other things we've been doing with our time? Yeah, I've been doing all the like homey things that people are joking about people doing. <laughs> <laughs> my coworker gave me a sourdough starter making sourdough bread um quite satisfying do you understand the uh the large attraction to it and i have been knitting i'm a pro at knitting dishcloths mm. i counted i've knitted like a dozen dishcloths wow. <laughs> crank them out quite quickly i'm gonna run out of wool for them so or cotton i guess it is so i'm figure out how to order some more online i guess but um and then I bought some wool to make a sweater, which I think was a little ambitious of me. But my aunt is going to help me with it over Skype. <laughs> that sounds fun. I haven't knitted in a long time. I can just do scarves and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the sweater pattern that I picked is a very simple one. I just, it's still, it's still daunting. Yeah, I've just been kind of bookbinding, um, getting back into that. Uh, I'm trying to pace myself because I tend to do it all at once and then I get burnt out. And then also I might run out of supplies. So I've been saving like a lot of the cardboard things that we have lying around because I'm going to run out of like the, the material I'll use for book covers. But yeah, I was looking at my paper stash and I like, got really emotionally overwhelmed at how beautiful the paper was. <laughs> I was like, oh, nice things. Yeah, and then I've also been playing like the Stardew Valley co-op version with some friends. So it's been nice doing like digital manual labor and tending to our farm. And <laughs> they've both played like a lot more than, than I have. So it's been really fun to see all the things that we can build. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Well, I feel like that's all all of our updates. Mm-hmm all the things we've been doing and what's new big thank you to victoria gomez and sam fred yeah for doing all the transcription recently what uh what a generous and lovely lovely thing that they've both done Mm -hmm. of course thank you to all of our guests that we've had on so far um and to our library friends who have a weekly little skype chat where we catch up and commiserate (laughs) (laughs) it's been nice to hear those updates on like how the library systems are doing and how people are doing yeah and i guess we were talking like if someone wants to talk about library responses to covid19 with us let us know because i think we're still kind of figuring out how we're feeling and kind of 
Yeah. Yeah, we could use another perspective. We're both very in it. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to thank Steven Universe and the Crystal Gems for their inspiring music and stories. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I read like a lot of criticism of Steven Universe, but I, I find like it's just little things that really calm me down. And like, I think Rebecca Sugar is really good at making us honor our feelings, or at least that's just how I really interpreted the show and the songs. So yeah, it's been helpful. Yeah, nothing's perfect, but they're a good respite. Yeah, let's sign off. We can be found on Twitter at OrganizingPod with a Z, not an S. Our email is OrganizingIdeasPod at gmail.com. And our website is OrganizingIdeasPod.wordpress.com. You can find links to some of the stuff we've mentioned, transcripts to the episodes. Be well. Be safe. Thank you. Thank you.